Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. You are listening to Linux in the Hampshire. LHS is a podcast about Linux, open source, and amateur radio for everyone. Now here are your hosts, Russ, K5TUX, Cheryl, W5MOO, and Bill, NE4RD. Well, hello everybody, and welcome. You have tuned in to episode number 318 of Linux in the Hampshire. This episode is not only a weekender, it's a year-ender. This is our year-ender for 2019. We will not be doing another episode until a brand new decade. So this one should be pretty good. We have a lot of folks that we're going to introduce here in a minute who are joining with us on the show. And in the meantime, I will just introduce the hosts of the show. Well, I'm going to introduce me, and everybody else can introduce themselves. I'm Russ, K5TUX. I'm Cheryl, W5MOO. And I'm Bill, NE4RD. In the car. <laughs> yeah, NE4RD Mobile. Yes, NE4RD Mobile. There we go. And we do have several other folks who are going to join us for our little get-together hangout roundtable thing that we're going to do here which may last five minutes or five hours. No one really knows, but I'm just going to go top down on the list of the folks who have joined us on mumble. And then we will go back and address the folks who are in the discord. And if you're in the discord or in IRC, then, uh, you know, feel free to comment or whatever. And, uh, the rest of us will just sit here and talk about stuff. Who knows what we'll talk about? Cause I don't know. But anyway, let's start at the top of the mumble list. So I know Gene is muted, but I'm going to introduce him anyway and let him say something. And hopefully, going to watch his little mic go. There we go. See his his mic went live. He's listening. <laughs> uh, anyway, we have Gene BX8AAD all the way from Taiwan to uh, to be with us here. Well, tonight for us, today for him. Uh, so how is it going with you, Gene? Things are good. Uh, we're doing fine here. It's a bright, sunny day, uh, probably nearly 80 degrees uh, Fahrenheit, so uh, very comfortable and enjoying life here, enjoying uh, radio on the weekends, and yeah, things are good. All right, fantastic. Well, we'll uh, be chatting with you a little bit later on, probably. I don't know if we'll have anything specific, but everybody's willing to jump in. We're not willing, but everybody's uh, welcome to jump in and bring up any topics they wish while we sit here and hang out with each other. Uh, But moving down the list of folks who are joining us in the mumble, we have Hutch, K9KJN, absolutely the uh, proprietor of our favorite United States-based Cajun restaurant. Of course. (laughs) So, uh, Hutch, um, I know you're broadcasting from a closet right now, um, as you've indicated before. So how's uh, the weather in your uh, closet? (laughs) Oh, the closet's nice, a comfortable 80 degrees, and about uh, 30 degrees outside. So I'd much rather be inside than outside right now. <laughs> Fair enough. And probably not snowing in the closet, so that's always good. Um, so two two people who are at 80 degrees, 
So I guess we're gonna we're gonna watch the temperatures fall off as we move down the list. Yeah. Probably. Um, but next we have uh, Kilo Zero Foxtrot Zulu. And uh, how is your afternoon, evening? Well, probably evening at this point going because I imagine you're somewhere in the U.S. <laughs> uh, yeah, <clears throat> this is Rodney K Zero FZ. Uh, appreciate you inviting me. Um, yeah, everything's fine. I'm, I'm a little bit under the weather myself. I ended up going to urgent care. Uh, got the medicines and everything I need. Hopefully, be on the mend soon. But I had a little case of bronchitis, and uh, you know, um, just working too hard. I think just let my body kind of get worn down. But other than that, I'm here. And like I said, I appreciate you inviting me. Hey, no problem, Rodney. Glad that you could make it here and be with us. We have a, apparently the entire Southwest Missouri uh, Amateur Radio Club with us tonight, which is fine. Uh, absolutely not a problem. And um, I knew I knew that call sign, but I could not remember why I knew that call sign. Now I know exactly who you are. And as far as being sick, I think that's affecting almost everyone right now. I thought I was done with my cold until I apparently reacquired it, um, which I would just as soon be done with again. Uh, but anyway, let's move on from Rodney to another member of the SMARC team. We have Steve, KA0SPM. How's it going for you tonight, Steve? Well, Russ, it's going good. And I have a balmy 19 degrees C in my uh, ham shack, which I suppose is about 68. And uh, outside is about 25 Fahrenheit, which is, I think, minus 3 C. So it's a bit chilly, and it's always the same every time this year. I'm always hunting for new things to burn in the wood stove, getting kind of low. So (laughs) it's a big worry. So uh, back to you. (laughs) Well, you're not going to start going through the Hemingways or anything like that, right? No, I'm I'm probably going to be reduced to collecting pallets, which is not a big deal, but, you know... Uh, my stash of cut firewood is getting pretty low. Well, I know we tried burning pallets out here for a bonfire one time, and the, it didn't the, work well. Well, it, they worked fine. They burn great. The problem is they burn a little too great. Um, we went through a lot of pallets in a very short amount of time. <laughs> so, um, but anyway, so let's move on to Matt, who finally I think has his audio problems straightened out or at least i hope so uh kilo romeo 8 echo matt how's it going for you well it's going good here uh name is matt and uh i was kilo charlie 8 bravo echo whiskey um my son got his call sign k-e-8-e-y-w which is a mouthful to say the least and he said he wanted mine so i was like all right i got my extra i'll go for another one so now i'm k-r-a-d um so, but other than that, everything's going good here. Got a little bit of freezing rain weather-wise. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think we got the audio stuff taken care of and appreciate your patience on that. And I'm going to do a little bit of self-muting here uh, so we don't get any more of the, the background noise that I'm creating. So, <laughs> but uh, there you go. No worries. You actually sound fine now. Uh, and also, uh, KR8E is much easier on the CW. So, um <laughs> Glad you got moved up into uh, the two by one. So, uh, speaking of two by ones and one by twos, uh, we'll move on to our third and apparently final member of the Smart team for uh, joining us tonight. That is Jordan and Zero RK. How's it going with you, Jordan? Not too bad, Russ. I appreciate 
appreciate you having us on here. It's exciting to be able to do this. We've been looking forward to this all week. And I'd like to propose that the uh, the first topic tonight is how incredibly similar your voice sounds like Matt Groening from The Simpsons on <laughs> audio. It's just, it's uncanny. I listen to the commentaries all the time. and I could swear that he's talking to me right now. But that's, <laughs> that's all I've got. That's my proposal. And uh, we'll keep going. Well, I am absolutely willing to entertain that as the first topic, but I have to say that I don't think I've ever heard Matt Groening speak as Matt Groening, or at least if I have, it's been a very long time, and I would certainly not recognize his voice as my own. But of course, of course, as you know, when you are speaking, what your voice sounds like to you is not what it sounds like to everyone else. And, um, I, I know when I listen to myself, I definitely don't sound like myself in my head. Um, but I'd be interested to hear what Matt Groening sounds like. Uh, so we can explore that as a, as the first point of order, I guess, uh, we're going to use Robert's rules. Uh, but anyway, let's see, uh, where Bill is, is Bill in his driveway yet? No, I'm still, uh, about, uh, about three minutes away. Ooh, almost, almost. So when we see you switch over from your S9 to your Mini or whatever, we'll know you're home. Absolutely. All right. So Bill is here, which is good. Um, uh, are, are you like Sherlock Holmes in the new play, or are you just like some peon? <laughs> yeah, but I'm uh, I'm Detective Lestrade, so I'm a kind of a comic relief character. Oh, good. So you're playing you. Yeah, absolutely. I'm getting typecasted there. Bunch of goofballs. <laughs> uh, fantastic. All right. And finally, uh, at least for now, uh, unless someone decides to join us later, uh, we have someone who has been all the talk of Linux in the Hamshack over the past few episodes, uh, Stephen Tag Loomis, N0TTL, uh, author of uh, Grid Tracker. And um, did you say you were author of Shoutcast or co-author or something? Uh, co-author of shoutcast yeah so so somebody who's been uh in the tech world the open source world and the world at large uh in technology for quite some time and of course um basically everything i've been doing with ham radio lately has involved grid tracker in some way so uh as you know particularly badgering you into putting new features in uh <laughs> so and I'm, and I'm glad you're actually willing to do that and not just, like, stop talking to me. Oh, I could never do that. You're too much fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, funny. You're the only person who's ever said that. Um, okay, so with that, we've got everybody who's in in the mumble for right now. We do have some folks in the chat room. Uh, we have Don, KB, KC9ZMY. We have Don, KB2YSI. Uh, Ted, WA0EIR. We have uh, Tom, N4HAI. Um, uh, don't, oh, and Paul, KE5WMA. So there's a lot of people involved in the program tonight. So, um, we're definitely open to all topics tonight. So if any, anybody has anything to discuss, we'll try and move things along if, uh, there's, there's no, uh, discussion. But I think with enough of us here, someone will want to talk about something. And, um, so unless somebody has an audio clip of what Matt Graining sounds like, we're going to have to move on from that one, I think. <laughs> Um, but one of, one of you guys, uh, in SMARC, um, probably needs to talk about SMARC cause, um, you know, why not? 
Let's talk about something. So somebody, somebody, uh, talk about the Southwest Missouri Amateur Radio Club because why not? That's why you guys are here, right? <laughs> Who's going to step up? Steve, Steve, say something. Uh, well, I could actually <laughs> talk a bunch about the, uh, the club. Uh, it has been around in some shape or form since 1947. Um, it, it's kind of small now compared to what it used to be. I, I was a member in about 82 at first, and uh, that's when I took their novice test uh, in class to learn the code. So it, it's, been, it's been around a long time. Uh, in fact, uh, I did communications for the Highlandville Christmas Parade, and it just so happens that the mayor of Highlandville was a past president of SMARC. So uh, that was kind of interesting to get to talk to that guy. And uh, he's, he's still a ham, uh, although kind of inactive. Uh, but uh, we have been kind of trying to reinvent ourselves a bit. And that's the most recent kind of change in our group. Um, I think one of the things was that we've got a lot of new tech that has come into ham radio and some of the older guys just don't do that well. And so we've, uh, we've gotten new, new younger people in and, uh, it's been interesting. We, we've, we've really gotten some, uh, some cool stuff going on, uh, digital DMR stuff and, uh, uh, seems like I'm the programming guy. I'm also the trustee of the repeaters, so I'm the guy that you complain to when you can't get in from 30 miles out with your HT. <laughs> of course. So let me ask you a, a more general question about ham radio clubs, not necessarily specific to the Southwest Missouri Amateur Radio Club. So I know I know you've been doing a lot of work to try and promote amateur radio in general and reinventing the club. Uh, to make it something that's more viable, more relevant, and and more connected with the community and the technology that's available today. So what do you see as sort of the future of amateur radio clubs? Well, I'm going to be honest about that one. We have to, as clubs, promote that we are a, a family of sorts. Um uh, I guess maybe a good example of that was uh, one of our new club members called me up the other day and said, hey, uh, can I borrow you and your pickup? I need to haul something. <laughs> and it may be as simple as that. Uh, the technology is going to be ever-changing. Uh, we're, we're, I guess that's the constant in all this is we're going to come up with new stuff all the time. But it's the fellowship. It's it's being together, talking about common things with ham radio, and you know common things with life. Uh, it's good to get together and do dinners and things like that. I think that's the, I think that's the thing that's going to keep us all going, as opposed to attracting the tech. Uh, although that's going to be a part of it as well. Uh, but I, I'm kind of in on the fellowship side of it. So, like for for any of the folks who are here from SMARC, um, do you guys see any of the new technology, any of like the digital voice or anything like that, being 
of interest to get people back into amateur radio or are we just fighting a losing battle against cellular technology the internet and so on well i've got a thought to that well feel free to speak it <laughs> well you know there's it's a two-way road uh you know as far as the clubs go you know how do you see those going in the next 10 15 years and, and unfortunately if you take us out of it you know we're just talking clubs in general I, I have a, a bad feeling that clubs are going to be and continue to be on the down downward slope. Uh, I, I think that most of the clubs are going to be there, but attendance, uh, activity, stuff like that is going to go way down, mainly because it, it seems like as we look out at all the different clubs of, you know, how do we make ourselves better, but just looking at what everybody else is doing, it seems a lot of the attitude that uh, used to be, hey, I need some help with uh, with this is, Hey, here's a, a link to YouTube. You know, watch how to do it. Or hey, here's a here's a link to a page. Uh, let me know if you need any help. There's not a lot of that, you know, camaraderie that Steve was talking about. Of hey, you know, why don't you come over? We'll buy a pizza. Let me show you how to do this. And and I think that attitude is is slowly killing some of the clubs as far as true attendance, true activities. And a lot of people aren't realizing it. So that's kind of where we really tried to you know, at least be aware of it and change. But that that's kind of what I see. I, I think I see the clubs as the traditional sense uh, declining and, and going away. Uh, as far as the new technology goes, you know, it's it, it's one of those things that I think it can draw a lot of people in. It can draw a lot of new users in. Oh, hey, you know, we can send text messages across across the world with a radio kind of thing where, where digital PSK31 came in. That was a big hit for everybody. Um, but it's also a slope. Uh, I, I think that... Uh, Eventually, when you incorporate too much current technology, the radio, the, the transmitter aspect is almost in threat of going away. Because at this point, you know, you get people with HTs, you get the hotspots for DMR, um, you know, and you can talk to Italy with just the HT sitting in your recliner. What, well, you know, who's going to put up an antenna to do that anymore if you can just use an HT? But, That's not real ham radio, though. It, exactly. Hey, you know, <laughs> let me tell you what's wrong with ham radio. <laughs> but that, that's my my thought. I I love DMR as a as a modulation. Uh, I've used it for quite a while on the Motorola, you know, Moto Turbo side for public safety. Um, th- there's nothing wrong with it at all. I, I think uh, linking them all together and making it super easy to talk to, you know, somebody in California, or Italy. It's kind of maybe taking some of the the fun out of upgrading your license and you know putting a big antenna up to talk to those people. But you know, again, that's my two cents. No, that's fair enough. Um, any anyone can chime in on this next one. My my question to to each and every one of you who is here tonight um, is: What part of the amateur radio hobby excites you personally? Like, what's the thing that you do I mean it's probably changed since you got into the hobby because there's new technologies, new things that have come around, new avenues to explore, and so on and so forth. But what's the thing that keeps you interested in amateur radio right now? And anybody can feel free to chime in on that. Okay, well, I guess this this is Rodney again. Um, I can uh, I can attest. You know, I my both of my family, my mo- mother and father, you know, were in ham radio when I were a kid and, um, you know, seeing them communicate on the radio and so on. It, it was almost like, in, in a sense, it was almost like a turnoff. Like, I'm like, well, I, I don't want to talk on this radio. I, I'm not going to do that, you know, but I think what kind of turned it around for me, um, was, you know, the community aspect of it. You know, when you're working with, uh, Skywarn, when you're able to, um, you know, be a spotter, 
and actually get involved and help people in, uh, you know, natural disaster situations, whatever the case may be, um, you know, thunderstorms, all these different things that can come about where ham radio is, you know, going to definitely be that that mode of communication when things, you know, go down. Um, so that, to me, that's kind of what turned me on to uh, ham radio. Plus the, the HF side is a really great aspect as well. Um, you know, getting on the air and talking to someone halfway across the world is just a thrill. You know, your heart starts racing and getting as many contacts as you possibly can. And it, it, it is definitely a thrill for me. Um, I don't know about everybody else, but that's what pretty, pretty much turned me on. And then, of course, now that I can share stories with my father, who is also a, a, an amateur extra himself, you know, uh, it's really kind of neat. Now we're able to kind of get back in touch with each other and and really understand each other now. And he's given me some tips, I guess, in a sense, he's become my Elmer in that respect. And, and of course, I can always fall back on uh, my uh, fellow members here as well. Uh, back to you. Go ahead. All right. So uh, anyone else want to address or answer the question of like what, what moves you in ham radio now, whether it's MCOM or something else? X8AAD. And uh, the thing that excites me now and has for just over a year is the summits on the air. Uh, I don't have a lot of uh, points as an activator because I don't have as many opportunities to get out as I would like, but I do when I can. And uh, it's, it's been a lot of fun. Taiwan has a lot of beautiful mountains, not all of them easily accessible, but uh, it's a lot of fun. And I've also enjoyed the chasing. Uh, seeing i've been able to there are a lot of active uh soda operators in japan and i can usually work them from home in the daytime and uh that's been a lot of fun i've also been enjoying now the ft8 more that i've got grid tracker going so thank you tag um interesting story uh sunday evening i was uh using the ft8 and trying to catch uh, grids that I didn't have, and somebody came up from my own grid that I didn't know, and I worked him, even though his prefix indicated he was on the other part of the island. He was actually in my own community here, and so we've connected now by email, and uh, we're going to get together here pretty soon. So even the new technology can bring people together. That's, that's been fun for me. All right, fantastic. Uh, Bill, you keep, you keep like, getting in there do you want to say oh something? sorry yeah it's my so i'm banging my drink around here i haven't quite settled into my my studio <laughs> chair here <clears throat> so uh, but no that's actually a funny uh, story there gina um i just worked somebody in this grid square as well <laughs> And they friended me on Facebook and sent me Facebook instant messages. <laughs> it's kind of uh it's kind of interesting always when you when you work somebody really close by and uh neither of us are in the club because I don't really do clubs speaking of your club stuff earlier um it uh yeah it's it's interesting how it it continues to connect you and uh, the hobby in general over the years i mean i'm what interests me is is that it's always slightly changing there's always something new to kind of get interested in whether it be, you know, new modes like, you know, FT8 and FGHC65 and JSA call, or is it, uh, you know, something new to go track, you know, a new, new paper to go chase, like soda, mines on the air, uh, parks on the air, everything else. Um, 
you know, there's always something new and having hit the, the 25 year mark doing this hobby, uh, this year, you know, it definitely puts it all into perspective that, uh, the hobby does change. It does change quite rapidly, <laughs> even though it doesn't always seem like it. And I think what brought me to, uh, you know, to ham radio was more contesting and that kind of interested me from the start. And that's like the very first club I was in was a contesting, you know, kind of centric club. You know, the key, key people were all kind of contesters, you know, through all the, all the equipment into the truck and the generators and, you know, the tower trailers and, and go out and run WPX for the weekend just for, you know, giggles. Um, but, uh, you know, and, you know, emergency communications was important because I was in South Florida and we were, you know, deadline there for, uh, for hurricanes and stuff like that. So we got lots of activations, but, you know, coming up to, uh, to Montana where, you know, you know, if there's a real emergency, it's probably because Yellowstone exploded and everybody's dead on the earth. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the only emergency they deal with is, uh, is, uh, is doing, uh, you know, the, the road patrol for all the five K's and 10 K's in town and, and, you know, bike and, and all this other stuff, which is good. And it's a noble service and, and stuff like that. Although I think they're kind of being used in lieu of commercial communications. Um, uh, it's just not as interesting. So like that part of the hobby no longer interests me, you know? Uh, so that's changed. So like my perspectives changed because my locations changed. And I think it happens to a lot of people. They get interested in one thing. They move to a totally different area. They may pack all their crap up, never use it again. Or they may, uh, you know, get interested in something different. Like, you know, maybe you had property before. Now you, you're in a city lot or you're in an apartment condo and you have to figure a way to make, the hobby exists in your new set of norms. So, and the thing is, is like it, it could work with anything. You know, you get your little Zoom spot, hotspot, pie star thing, and you know, work the world out of your uh, you know twenty third story condo, but you have no windows up. So, uh, you know, there's there's anything. There's there's tons of things in the hobby to do, and because it's changing, and and your perspective changes because everything doesn't always stay the same as we get older, and age into the hobby it uh it changes with you so that's what i like about it it's it's always there's always something there all right well i have a i have a question to follow up on that regarding the the way radio is used anymore but before i get to that i want to make sure that everyone has a chance to speak on what it is that sort of uh interests them about the hobby in at the moment who hasn't already spoken uh this is hutch k9 kjn and uh I really uh, enjoy, it seems to me as I get older, enjoy uh, doing things in the shack, uh, making balance, uh, working on antennas, uh, moving my desk from the side of the room to the other, <laughs> and uh, listening to the radio in the background. So I'm doing a lot of listening, but not too much uh, actual uh, uh, QSOs. So uh, I'm really enjoying uh, doing the fiddly stuff in the, in the ham shack. So, so what is it that you listen to? What's the thing that interests you? Is it just general rag chewing or contesting or what, what is it that you listen to? Uh, I pretty much scan the uh, different bands and whoever's talking, I'll stop and listen for a while and, and then move on and uh, separate that with podcasts, listen to podcasts, and then just to the low radio stations here in the Midwest. All right, very cool. And I think Tag had something he was going to add. Uh, yeah, I just want to say, uh, you know, I get to meet geeks just like me. 
You know, there's uh, there's something awesome about being able to have a conversation with somebody who's, you know, that uh, I'm not married to, are my siblings or my children, that I can actually have a conversation with. It's not about work that I can share, you know, uh, how many twists in that uh, ballon, how many uh, feet on that antenna. You know, I have more. I don't know. There's just being able to find like minded people and have conversations with them is it just gets me really jazzed. Yeah. All right. Cool. Um, what about, uh, Matt or Jordan? Any thoughts along those lines? Yes. Matthew K. 80. Um, by the way, are you still hearing me? Okay. I made some changes. Oh yeah. We're still hearing you fine. Okay. Uh, just making sure. Thanks. Yeah. Um, so a couple of the couple things, uh, the club wise, you know, I've done them. I've been doing them. I'm a member of one, honestly. Um, it, it, it's not been good. Uh, they all want to do something. They don't do it uh, in my area. Um, got clubs that's been around for years, and the most they do is get together and say they want to do something and never do it. So, um, but, you know, done the contest club, done all that stuff. Um, my big thing is doing it in scouts. I mean, Bill knows this. Uh, just getting out there and doing it. Um, whether it's one person, you know, you get one person showing up for Jamboree on the air, uh, two this year, or, uh, you know, you have an entire campery where you're going to be talking to, you know, you have as many as, you know, 150 kids that's going to be coming by in five hours and trying to get anybody and everybody want to talk on the radio. Um, I mean, that's the big thing. That's how I got into it, uh, is doing it that way. And, uh, I think it's the, it, it's the way I feel that, you know, especially for me, I can definitely help get the younger generation in, uh, my middle son got his at, uh, what do we say? 11. Um, and you know, it took him a couple tries on the test and he sat there. He was the only one taking the test, <laughs> but he did it, uh, got it done. Um, so everything was good. Uh, has he done much with it? Eh, only when we do it for scouts or, uh, he's involved with the school radio club still, uh, which starts, uh, starting in middle school and, you know, they start him at fifth grade. If they want to participate, he, you know, Jim WX8J usually has, uh, oh, 15 to 15 to 20 kids. Um, like three or four has gotten their call sign and they've been coming back periodically uh, the, this year, the only thing Elijah has been able to do is to participate in November sweepstakes with the group. And I think he's made one meeting because he's been doing band. Uh, quite frankly, that's what I've been doing since September. Uh, <laughs> went so far to even to get my CDL to drive the band bus. So, uh, it's just been, been one of those things. It's just led one led to another and, and now, honestly, my station is in a uh, water watertight box that uh, stored away, and I pull it out uh, once a month or a couple months and do something with scouts. Uh, that's about where where it goes. Just the whole aspect of things. I mean, shoot, it, it doesn't matter what you want to do. There's something in amateur radio for it. Um, been dabbling with the DMR. Uh, haven't gotten very far with it, but, uh, you know, my big thing with amateur radio as a whole is, and what I tell people is you can get into it as cheap or as expensive as you want to go. 
um, you know, trade, get stuff, swap meets, uh, ham fest, um, you know, anything you can find it all there. Um, like I said, trade, uh, I'm using a Ohio classic, uh, microphone this moment. And I'll tell you right now, I never would have been able to afford it, you know, brand new, but, uh, you know, that's what I got, you know, traded and, and, uh, was able to get a hold of it. Um, uh, and that's, you know, that's how that's, that's, I think that's the most interesting thing is we just, as hams, we can get together. We can talk about anything with anybody. Um, being a scouter, you can, you know, definitely one up on that one too. Uh, and you know, you can do it with as little or as much as you want to do. Yep. I, I tend to believe the same thing. And I'm going to get to a question about that in a second here, but I want to let Jordan weigh in if he wants to, before we move on to that. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, I think, uh, Matt kind of hit the nail on the head with, uh, with clubs, not, uh, not really doing anything except for uh, going to meetings or meeting at the old golden corral for uh, a couple times a year. And that's about it. And that's, I, I think that's kind of what I was going with a while ago that unfortunately is becoming more and more the norm that we're, we're really trying to get away from at smart. But as far as, you know, what I enjoy about it, plain and simple social media, ham radio is my social media. Um, I'm on it way more than anything else. I have a Facebook for, you know, those two people I need to stay in contact with who don't have ham radios. But uh, it's, it's really 90% of what it is for me. Now, I do like the uh, component level uh, stuff. We've got a little bit of a lab set up in the garage. And we do tech days and all that kind of stuff and, and you know, dive in with the hands on, on actually touching the electronics and, and the physical components. But I, I would say most of it for me is, is purely social media. You know, it's just get out there and talk to people, whether it's on the air or whether it's at a club meeting or whether it's at a ham fest. Either way, it's, uh, it's people interaction. All right. Fair enough. Um Re- relative to go ahead i just want to note uh the uh kids the club here at the elementary school dresden elementary amateur radio station or deers uh kd8 nom kilo delta 8 november oscar mexico and uh they're every other tuesday and about yeah three o'clock our time uh which is eastern uh and they're usually on 40 meters so just putting it out there all right, very cool. Yeah, if anybody has anything they want to promote, uh, specifically the club-related, you know, uh, even Boy Scouts-related, soda-related, anything like that, feel free well, to. Well, now that you mention it. Well, uh, Bill, sure. I've got a couple of things here. <laughs> no, you can, you can talk about that later. <laughs> All right. Well, I did, want to, I did want to mention one thing on the club thing. I, I, I failed to always mention that I, I'm in two clubs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just not in the local club. I'm in the uh, Big Sky Contesters, which, of course, is a Montana contesting club. So it's a non-club club. And I'm, I'm probably going to be the president of the K2BSA for next year. So, <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Because nobody else wanted the job, I think. I think. <laughs> uh, re- relative to clubs, Don in the chat room said uh, a while back, but I want to make sure we mention it. Uh, he thinks the clubs need to become hubs to connect people to pe- uh, to people and people to information, much like the evolution of a library. So Absolutely. there you go. Um, okay, so so relative to new technology and amateur radio, um, I want to like perhaps address this question. And then maybe we'll move on to some open source stuff, um, like we normally do in the episode. And then we'll just talk about some cool stuff. Cause I'm about to go get a glass of scotch here. And then we're going to talk about that. Um, but in the meantime, 
I know on, on this program, um, we've talked a lot about some of the new technologies that are coming around. I've, I've been getting into the Yezu System Fusion and DMR and Echolink and IRLP, and I know some of those have been around for a little while. But they're, they're all technologies that leverage the Internet um, to do various things. And it does attract people to it because uh, with a $25 Baofeng, you can talk to the world. So what I guess I would like to ask, and if anybody wants to weigh in on this, uh, feel free to do that. Does that get them into the hobby in such a way that they might be more interested in learning about the other aspects of the hobby? Or do you feel like if they get in using their handy talkie on a hotspot, that that's where they're going to stay trapped and not try to explore anything else about amateur radio? Uh, this is much. much- Hi, Chair, KNIKJN. Um, I usually uh, want to talk to people about ham radio. I try to show them uh, my ham shack or show my radio and uh, let them see uh, what that's about. I think handy talkies are fine, but it's if you just give me a talkie, it seems like they just, okay, I've got this, and then they never really use it that much. What do you what do you think about the price point though? I mean, because most anybody can afford a cheap Chinese handheld, and not everybody can put down a grand on you know a decent HF rate. One ninety nine, one ninety nine. You can get the Ubitx brand new number six with a digital screen and everything. That's all you need. There you hey. go. That sounds like a, a good deal right there. Yeah, but that's QRP, I right? Want to try that. Ten watts. That's yeah. not QRP. That's QRO, man. That's QRO power. <laughs> That's QR, that's a, yeah, QRO. That's a whole five watts when you're on the single sideband. That is like that's like banging the limit. That's actually against the rules of some uh, <laughs> contest for QRP. You have to lower that power down. All right, All right Mr. 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 Um, yeah. <laughs> Plus, I have like three QRP rigs here, and they actually work just as well as the regular one. There's only like like two S units difference between, or not even that. I think what an S unit is it one S unit, or one and a half S units between a uh, ten watts and a uh, hundred watts. Oh come on, Bill! Tell us about the the DB gain by uh, by wattage output. You have the oh, formula what? right there in front of you. It's in your brain, right? Oh yeah, it's absolutely in my brain. It's 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 nine nine dB per uh, for every S unit, right? <laughs> so that's that's two times two times two times. So let's say ten, twenty, forty, eighty. So eighty watts is one S unit. So okay. well, let me just say this. Um, <laughs> so a little over one S unit difference between a 10 watt signal and a hundred watt signal. I, I understand the science of the technology and I understand that's how it works, but I know that, and I was talking to tag about this the other day when I was trying to do it, I was beating my head against trying to get in contact with a five T five PA, which is a station that's like all over the bands all the time. Yeah. Um, and I was operating FT8 at 40 watts and they were coming in at like a plus four, but couldn't hear me. Yeah. So I went to 50 watts. I was heard instantly. <laughs> That's probably just has nothing to do with the power. It had to do with the timing. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm dead serious. No, I'm dead no serious. it probably did, but I was beat. I was beaten on that contact it for about makes 40 you feel minutes. Good when you do that though. <laughs> It does my- ten watts on forty is not much difference. I mean, that's that's barely a an eighth of an S unit. Yeah, I know. It barely was in a radio wrong. Yeah. <laughs> See, you just get a better antenna, and <laughs> everything gets solved from there. I have a really good antenna. antenna. I just have really bad installation. So yeah, yeah. I was amazed, like at uh, at the speaking of the scouting. 
at the World Scout Jamboree, we had those JK antennas, and I'm sitting there looking at it like, ah, they're just you know two element beams. And there's like nothing. It's like having a you know hex beam. Why did we upgrade to this? And it was like, oh my god, those things worked so well. It's amazing what the the actual science and engineering of <laughs> designing an antenna, you know, not in your backyard, <laughs> can do for your signal. Uh, you know, in those two element beams that weigh like a ton because there's a lot of piping up there. Um, yeah, it's 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 amazing what the what the antennas can do. So yeah, so if you're gonna spend money, save save money on that uh, that that rig. Buy the 199 rig, and then go buy you the most expensivest antenna you can buy <laughs> well it, it, it <laughs> is true in, in a way because if you're if you're operating 10 watts and all 10 watts is going out of your antenna as opposed to operating 100 watts and 90 of it's coming back then yeah i mean <laughs> you're gonna have the exact same experience yeah. um so yeah i mean i think we've uh, expressed on this program enough and it's expressed enough in the amateur radio world that the real heart of a, of a station is the antenna i mean yeah so your case could be that you have about 40 watts of loss in your uh in your antenna and that when you put the extra 10 in there you actually got 10 to squeak out well i think what's happening is because of the fact that i have a dipole mounted over a metal roof all of my signal is nvis (laughs) (laughs) well that could have something to do with it too you created enough arc and spark that you actually got a lobe to form (laughs) on one edge of the antenna So you think that contact. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, it's, it's amazing PSK what you do with a really crappy so. antenna. <laughs> yeah, Ross uh, really needs really to figure out something different for his antenna. But yeah. You forgot well, using, uh, Russ, it's only 20 feet tall. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, my antenna is actually about 30 feet tall, but it's only about 10 feet over the roof. So, <laughs> yeah. Can you just load the roof? I could just lower the roof, but that would probably involve some demo, and uh, I, don't, I don't think I'm going to get away with that. Not lower, but load. Oh, load the roof. I don't. I, I might be able to load the roof. I mean, I could probably just uh, ground it and make it a huge ground plane. Um, I don't know how that would affect my signal. My PSK report, reporter spots are actually fairly diverse, although there's a there's a clear east west um, you yeah. know pattern uh do north do south i do have sort of a a dead issue but um okay so anyway back to i'm I'm gonna let anyone else who wants to address the issue of using the new technology in amateur radio sort of getting stuck in that world or do you think that it might encourage people to explore hf propagation or aries or uh, any of the other aspects of the hobby i think it will the the issue there is it takes being in a group for them to see it uh and rush you've kind of seen a little bit of how we do our club things where we'll do some hf stuff and get people to see it uh our last guns and radio we had a vertical setup and worked the california kso party quite effectively and there were some guys there that were a little surprised at how well it worked so uh you know that, that again i guess back to that being in a club being with others doing similar things you're going to see stuff you wouldn't see normally and i i see the small radios as a good starting point yeah i do too i mean there's definitely a way to get in for for low cost low point of entry 
Um, it's nice if you can explore a ham fest, find a local one, maybe get into some hardware that's a little bit older but does more for for not too much out of pocket. Uh, but you definitely you definitely need the Elmery aspect so that somebody can guide you from where you're at to some of the more interesting parts of the hobby for sure. And I do think the clubs, whether online or, or local clubs, serve a purpose. Um, it's just yeah, how, but how you, do you know? How do you know if that the handy talkie isn't the most interesting thing for them in the hobby? It might be the most interesting, but you you, ha- you have to explore all the other elements before you decide what's the most interesting, right? You can't just do one thing and say, "Oh, this is the best thing ever." You have I nothing else to reference. I don't know. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I you know, because like you got to realize the person that's doing that is not doing that because they were interested in ham radio specifically. Like a lot of people that are getting involved with that are getting involved because of like you know these cert teams converting over to Aries teams to you know the races teams disintegrating into Aries teams and um you know being involved in weather spotting because you know we're you know the Earth is burning to the ground and we're all going to die <laughs> <laughs> and they want to have uh, internet connected radio to talk to their friend and tell them how much they love them when. You know, the internet goes down. But the, uh, talk well, about okay. Bill, Mr. Bleak here. You know. and, and here I am trying to do 80 meter, you know, FTA WAS before the apocalypse. And yeah, everyone yeah, works on stage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we need less people on the bands unless they're in those states we can't get. <laughs> Can you send all those people that, that need to convert from a HT to a HF rig to like South Dakota, North Dakota, Wyoming, and Nebraska on we'll CW? Just, we'll just assign them reason. a rare grid and send them out on their way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Give them all their little HTs with beams, and then we'll, uh, you can be like VHF rovers during the rover contest and run the FM slot. <laughs> now, you know, I don't know. You know, I, I talked to a lot of these guys that got ham licenses for really random purposes like uh you know i worked with a guy at the mining mining company and he got his license so he could operate rc cars at higher higher power interesting i mean okay, there's enough. a guy who doesn't even have a goddamn you know ht <laughs> but oh, he how are you gonna get there yeah, exactly. around here it was for uh rc planes yeah, exactly. They they want to do like the drones and everything else with the higher power, you know, drive it out, you know, 12 miles. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, there's people in the hobby that have don't even have an HT. So, I mean, yeah, we kind of focus in on the HTs because it's a very soft and uh, squishy target. But um, I don't think it's a problem at all because generally those people are in clubs. They're the ones that are filling the seats at the clubs tonight. Instead of being at home, you know, waiting to click their button on, uh, you know, grid tracker and stuff like that <laughs> because they can't because they'll put, pump too much RF into their soundboard because <laughs> of their really crappy antenna outside. Oh, wait, that's just me. <laughs> so what do you think about what do you think about them taking away the requirement for a CW? <laughs> Um, hey, I appreciate it. I took advantage of it. <laughs> I, uh, I got joke my, question for crying uh, out loud. That thing's been uh, beaten dead, well dead. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think I'd ever gotten my extra if they didn't take it away. Uh, I probably would have gotten my extra because back in the day when I was doing it the first time around, I, I was up in the 13 to 50 WPM and I probably could have got up to 20 if I really tried. Yeah. Um, but I was at 13. I was doing 13 or 15. You know, I'd got my general, got my 13 word a minute, and I kept on listening at 20, and I was like, there's just no way. 
There's Ted, no Ted way. the Jerem says, what about, what about a novice class to introduce people to HF? No. Oh, keep the lids off HF. No. <laughs> it's a holy grail. Let's not give people HF. Come on. Now. Yeah, text, text can operate. What is it? It's a, a small meters. portion of 10 and a small portion they of 80, have, right? It, no, they get the, all the old novice portions. So they get all the CW portions of 80, I think 80, 40, I think even 20. 15. 15 and 10 yeah no work bands but right. like all the all the original allocations uh except for they don't get 160 at all right well i've been i honestly have been having a blast lately like i just said working 80 meters um and i've been surprised at how yeah, quick uh, no i was just agreeing to ted now no yeah. 20 oh it's just 15 no 20 okay yeah yeah 20 yeah you, you probably want to keep people off of like 20 until yeah yeah <laughs> Um, but when I started, when I started in the hobby, my band was 15, 15 meter CW. That's what I did. 15 meter CW, nothing else. So I did 40 meter CW. Yeah. But I can honestly say I didn't do any CW. Well, as soon as I, I discovered everything one time too, yeah. <laughs> as soon as I discovered digital modes and SSB, I stopped doing CW. <laughs> There's a friend of mine around here. He still has a, uh, an advanced class license. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But, yep. He's not the only one. <laughs> and quite honestly, he's like, why upgrade? I got all my bands I want to talk to right here. Right. Yeah. Just missing like really, really small portions of each band. So, yeah, I get it. Yeah, and that'll probably be grandfathered in at some point. I'm sure. They'll probably just bump everybody up to extra and call it It'll just be one licensed class. You know, any of the buys an AWRL membership is a is a <laughs> is an extra. That'll be the next that'll be the next uh, uh license classes. <laughs> You're well, on he had a chance back when they made the change and you know, he didn't do it. Yeah. All right. Let's let's talk about something other than amateur radio, unless someone wants to focus on something specific about amateur radio, but let's move a little bit into the open source uh world and, and uh maybe as it specifically relates to amateur radio if you want to, but like what's a what's a big thing that people are doing in open source with amateur radio or even not these days? Um I know Grid Tracker's been on the tip of everyone's tongue lately cuz it's been, you know, nothing uh we're not talking about anything else. Um and I know that's what I've been doing pretty much nonstop, like every moment of the day that I'm not working. Sorry. <laughs> um, <coughs> so, so that's my life. Oh, by the way, Cheryl, well, <coughs> she needs a cough button over there. Yeah, I know. Oh. Um, what, what are you doing I with amateur radio? Here. What's what's what excites you about amateur radio? Really? <laughs> <laughs> Seeing what part of our cars getting torn out next. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, now I have a big gaping hole in my dash. No, you don't. <laughs> yes, I do, because you broke that, that one chunk. Oh, that had nothing to do with the radio. Oh, I thought uh, it did. No, no, no. That just had to do with the fact that that's old and brittle and a piece of crap. So, um, but anyway. Wait, you're yeah. not going to tell us what your favorite part of amateur radio is? I have used the radio a half a dozen times. Well, you could just say Linux in the ham shack. That's your favorite part of it. Yeah, I have Linux in the ham shack. Uh, I, I totally gave you that out. So Yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, Gene says he has to sign off, so we don't want to let him go without saying thank you, Gene, for participating tonight. We hope you have a great afternoon over there in Taiwan, and we really appreciate you sitting in and spending some time with us. Yeah, thank you very much. We'll see you all later, 73. All right, 73, take care. I forgot to ask, is it uh, morning over there then? It is. Uh, it, yeah, um, morning afternoon-ish. He's, he's so. 14 hours ahead of us. So when we yep, started at 8 o'clock, morning. it was 10 a.m. there. So Yeah. 
you know, people who are like in the future. Yeah, he says it's almost noon. Yeah. So, all right. So, open source. What are people using open source for their amateur in their amateur radio ham shacks? <laughs> and go, everybody, jump in. <laughs> WSGTX. Yeah, WSGTX. Well, tag. I mean, Carity, that goes Carity. without saying. So, what'd you say, Matt? I said Carity, Carity. Is anybody using open source or computer digital related, you know, technologies with amateur radio? Anything at all? PSK you know, I, I think the Yesu DMU runs some kind of Linux, I think. So there you go. There's my open source. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Flex Radio runs Linux. Anybody yeah. have a Flex Radio? Anybody rich enough to own a Flex Radio? I wish. <laughs> <laughs> I knew a guy that had one. <laughs> So uh, I mean, yeah, like radio music music and, and QSSTV and uh, WST uh, WSJTX. That one I can't. I don't know if I said that right, but that, I I don't run Windows. I I don't really like it. Well, good. You're you're among good company here. And I I heard you say WSJTX and QSSTV, but you said something before that. FL Digi. Oh, FL Digi. Yeah. So what do you use FLDigi for? Pretty much PSK31, or do you do a bunch of stuff? A bunch of stuff. Um, I really haven't been... uh, It's been an interface issue here. Uh, When I did, I kind of preferred the Olivia mode. It was... uh, I don't know. It it was just interesting that you could pick off a signal and just about not hear it or run a watt and work all the way across the country. But I've used it for everything, even CW decoding or sending. I've, I've used it as contest here at field day. Um, it's pretty versatile. Yep, it's uh, long been one of our favorite Linux-based or open-source-based amateur radio applications. FLDG's pretty much done everything. Uh, with the advent of WSJTX and weak signal modes and Whisper and all that stuff, it's kind of losing a little bit of traction, but there's still a huge community based around uh, some of the other modes. And I've never actually been able to make a contact on Olivia. I've tried some of the different things like Hellschreiber and Contestia and Olivia and all this stuff. And pretty much if it's not PSK31, I haven't found somebody using it. There's not as much activity on Olivia as there used to be. I, I hate to say it. I think most of them have moved over to FT8. But uh, when there was it, I mean, there was seriously not a lot of difference between that and PSK. Uh, There was one South Africa contact on PSK that got my attention long ago. Uh, It was kind of interesting. But, uh, yeah, it's pretty much all open source. And in a large part, the... uh, uh, chirp that i use for radio programming it's picked up a lot of radio types but it hasn't gotten into the commercial brands yet so i have to use their own software but that's that lately that's been the most is just chirp all right very good well i mean anything you use in the open source world is great whether it's cross-platform or linux-based uh chirp is another one that's fairly ubiquitous because a lot of people don't like to program their radios and find it as uh, a nice interface for keeping those memories handy and uh, in doing cloning or just reprogramming or whatever it is they need. Well, anymore, you buy one of those cheap uh, Chinese radios and, you know, they're saying use Chirp for programming. They don't have a program anymore. 
Yeah, I know a lot of people have complained about the Baofengs in particular, as far as programming them through the keypad. But I don't, I don't find them particularly onerous. But um, I know a lot of people who probably do a lot of more radio programming than I do probably find Chirp really useful. Um, Does uh, Chirp do uh, DMR? No, but there no. is. Um, if you're if you're using a Titera radio, they have a great open source application called Edit CP um, for DMR. Um, I don't know if any of the other ones, uh, like the Anytones or anything like that, have a similar application. But like I say, if you're if you're using a Titera, um, definitely look at Edit CP. Um, let's see. Don said something here. We don't want to forget that he said. I've been using open source for everything but logging. I'm still using Rumlog on the map for my or the Mac for my logger. Well, you need to change that. <laughs> uh, use uh, CQR log because that's Bill's favorite. Absolutely. Um, I've, I've been really digging cloud log. Um, I've been using it quite a bit. And since I forced tag to interface grid tracker with cloud log, that's made my life even better. And, um, so that's been really handy. I've, I've <clears> noticed <throat> that, uh, grid tracker has missed a couple of my QSOs lately, which is, Uh-oh. yeah, it's irritating. Um, I never had that problem with my setup. <laughs> I'm still doing it the old-fashioned way. I'm uh, just grabbing the ADIF from uh, WSJTX every once in a while and importing it directly into CQR logs. I I didn't even take the time on this. Uh, I'm sure you talked all about my Fedora system. <laughs> we 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 talked about it. Yeah, you probably talked bad about it. I we we did people. because you 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 become a. You've become divergent. I know, I know. I hate to say it. I mean, I'm I'm a, such a huge Ubuntu and Debian fan, and and then I installed 1910, <laughs> and I was cured of my love. <laughs> I'm running I was 1910 like, in my shack, and it works great. Yeah, but you probably didn't do all the PPAs, and you probably wouldn't download those those dev packages directly from WSJTX and stuff like that. No, probably not. Yeah. So. <laughs> so yeah, uh, yeah. The, the uh, uh, where'd you go, Bill? Uh oh, cold must have gotten to him. <laughs> well, Bill's gone. Now we can move on. Um, I'm sure he'll come back at some point. So let's let's do this real quick. Uh, who who here is running Linux entirely on their in their systems, and which ones are you using? Which Linux distros? Okay, did I lose everybody? <laughs> no. Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm here. Uh, I'm using MX Linux right now. Oh, MX Linux. That's one we mentioned a little while back. Did you use it because we mentioned it, or did you were you already using it? Believe it or not, I was already using it, but uh, then uh, I heard you guys mention it as well, and and uh, it seems like a pretty nice little Linux uh, system. Uh, I've got some really old computers. I seem to accumulate from either friends or customers or whatever, and I end up putting Linux on those and say, hey, you want your computer back? I've fixed it for you. <laughs> Excellent. Back. Okay, you are back. Okay, Ronnie, yeah, are you running Linux? Uh, no, I'm not. That doesn't mean I'm not open to doing it. Well, that's it's okay. Just, it's kind of just one of those things where there for a little bit I was running, you know, in a. it was almost like in, in virtual. I could, I would do like a little bit of Ubuntu. Um, I mean, back way back I used to do Red Hat, but again... I never got into anything in the command line or, or anything like that. And that again, it doesn't mean that I'm not open to maybe trying, maybe running under a virtual machine of some kind, or maybe put together an older machine and just kind of 
dapple around with it. So I'm always open to learn new things like that. Oh, good. Well, you're listening to the right show for exactly that. And we, we've been trying to dispel, I think, for the last at least eight years, uh, the notion that running Linux has anything to do with the command line because it, they're not one and the same and you can definitely do one without the other. Uh, so, so we'll convert you eventually. Uh, Ted says he and the XYL are using Ubuntu. Steve says he's running Ubuntu 1804. Uh, Matt, what about you? Uh, let's see. I'm running uh, Mint right here on this laptop. Uh, two other laptops. The main computer for the home is, uh, unfortunately, the, the Windows, but it works better for gaming for the boys. Um, but uh, here's one. I have the Camp Ranger uh, Scout Camp. He runs Linux and doesn't know it. Uh, <laughs> excellent. <laughs> So what, what is the version of Linux that is so clandestine that he doesn't know it's Linux? I just, uh, let's see, I just gave him a new computer, which has the latest version of Mint on it. I forget which one it is. Um, but yeah. 19.3. I mean, yeah, yeah, he basically, uh, you know, this guy does not do technology, okay? And I, I just gave, I'm like, you know what? I don't have to come up here all the time. If I had a Windows machine, something would happen, you know? And this way, I can honestly say I go up once a year when he has an issue and he says it's not working and I go up. And the one thing he absolutely has to do is an EPA report and <laughs> for the water. And uh, and then uh, with that, he goes and, and they change the, the link on him, the, the web address. So I make up a new shortcut for him, and there you go. And when I'm there, I run all the updates, and then don't touch it for a year. All right, excellent. What desktop environment uh, is it? Uh, Cinnamon or? Uh, I think it's Cinnamon is what it's on. Uh, I can't remember. I think it's Cinnamon. That's why I got on all of mine. So it probably is. And I always, you know, I carry it around a thumb drive with it on there because invariably something will go on. I get a phone call. Hey, I got a problem. And I just go and boot the thumb drive and, you know, get into their machine that way. Um, I basically can't live without it. All right. Fantastic. What about you, Jordan? Are you a, are you a heathen or are you running Linux? Well, you know, I, uh, I had this conversation last week at work, actually. Uh, we were talking about different flavors of Linux and, and where we use them and where we don't. And, you know, I'll, I'll be honest up front. Uh, I, uh, I'm a Windows guy. For, for desktop, you know, all my PCs. I Shoot, I even have a MacBook that uh, I run Windows probably 95% of the time on. You know, it, it just comes with, uh, with the territory being an IT for, you know, for, you know, business-to-business style IT that everybody's running Windows. So you really can't get away from it very easily, and I, I probably wouldn't. But, uh, you know, we, we had this debate the other day uh, in the data center about what, uh, you know, what we run, and we – Set back and said, you know, we're we're probably about eighty-five to ninety percent Windows based in the data center, and you know, we started looking at it and thinking, well, you know, that's that's our virtual machines. But when you start looking at all the flavors of Linux that we run, either for um, you know spam filters, shoot, even uh, some of our Cisco ASR routers and all that kind of stuff is is all derived from different flavors and versions of Linux, all the way down to uh, you know we've we've got MicroTik stuff uh, kind of anywhere and everywhere that we can and. And it, it's it's all Linux, or at least a, a derivative of a flavor of Linux, even if it's got something custom on top. So, you know, it, we run it a lot, actually. I guess is my best answer is I use it probably 
a lot more than I, I probably realized I did, but uh, fortunately not on the not on the desktop here in the shack. Yeah, I think most people run Linux, whether they know it or not, whether it comes to Android phones or set-top boxes or IoT devices or like that. Everybody's using Linux. They just don't realize it. Um, so we're just trying to uh, work on getting it into the desktop space or the server space, which, I mean, I mean it's it's pretty much in the server space. It's just whether you use it or not. And like you say, virtualization kind of blurs the lines. So now I know tag um develops on windows and then pushes everything out to linux and mac so um but so you, you must run some kind of linux uh yeah i've got uh, ubuntu 18.04 uh for my file server and i've got multiple pies pies 2 through pi 4s up and running uh, some odroids uh c2s n2s um h let's see the hc4 no that's wrong. Anyway, so yeah, I've got loads of Linux desktops uh, on little little machines around here, plus my primary file server. All right. Well, I, I like how it's spread around. I mean, as has already been mentioned, because it's hard to get away in the corporate environment from certain uh, usage cases. I mean, I'm I'm resigned to using all three of the major desktop uh, operating systems: Mac, Windows, and Linux. Uh, obviously, I favor one over the others. Uh, but I certainly can use them all pretty much interchangeably. So I'm, I'm not uh, of, of such a mind that people who use Windows are evil or anything like that, because I certainly use it pretty much daily. No, uh, it's only people who use Mac that, that are evil. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you exclusively. know, Mr. I, I would have uh, said I'm, that. I'm not Mac right much now. <laughs> I would have said that not long ago. I uh, I hated Apple all my life for just various reasons, and uh, I, I finally caved here about a month, month and a half ago, and bought a MacBook, and it, I really don't know why still. Um, they're cool, <laughs> they're sleek. Um, you know, I, I like the touch bar. That's really what did it. That's that's what uh, sold me for the whole thing. But uh, I don't know. I, I, I do enjoy it. Um, I've found myself using the Mac OS, you know, a time or two here and there for, for various things. And uh, I I have to admit, it's uh, it's not as evil as I once thought it was. That thing would kill me. Well, I, I love it because I, I go to a, a coffee shop every Friday with a bunch of developers, and uh, they're all on Macs. And uh, and I'm sitting there running debug sessions in Visual Studio on my Windows 10 Dell Precision box. And uh, by, like, noon, I'm like, yeah, I still got, like, seven hours of battery left, and they're all, like, plugging in because there's no battery left because they've been sitting there messing around with Node for the last four hours. <laughs> <laughs> so i'm like yeah yeah that's really working out well for you, you know i can program node on this thing too <laughs> i mean i don't necessarily like it because it's running windows 10 but you know in the end it's like productivity is productivity and I'm, I'm still cooking and going i can go sit out on the deck and have a cigar unplugged while they're sitting there having to wait inside and wait till they're charged up before they can go outside <laughs> well i'm going to let bill sort of try and guide this conversation towards uh the hedonism segment of our show while i go get myself some scotch uh, oh you need a refill there I, oh. well it's it's like a fill because i don't have a fill so i'm gonna oh. have to go get a fill that's what took me so long to get here i had to fill my glass up and i actually emptied it too. Right. So. so we're going to talk about good stuff like good music good food Good, good music and food and booze good, yeah good theater we're gonna talk yeah. about theater because i just came from the theater today and uh yeah no <laughs> <laughs> anyway so bill can carry this for the next two or five minutes or something and then then we're going to talk some hedonism let's do that yeah hopefully i'm not going to have to carry it because you guys are all going to talk but uh no i like the I like the conversation we're having and uh yeah i mean i'm 
I have windows all over the place upstairs, like, you know, at least five machines that I can count on the top of my head that are running windows mm-hmm. 10. Two of them are mine because that's, that's how we pay the bills. <laughs> uh, this podcast doesn't make any money. I just want you guys to know that. <laughs> and the place I work at is may or may not be using possibly Linux in their, um, uh, network video recorders. <laughs> well, I know our like build servers at work all use Linux because uh, they use, uh, uh, you know, Kubernetes and, uh, um, uh, you know, all that fancy DevOps crap because <laughs> we're using, uh, .NET Core on some of our applications. So they'll, they'll build it up in Linux when that, when it obviously doesn't need any, uh, any Windows or a old ASP crap that, uh, has to get brought in. Um, that all works pretty, pretty seamlessly, although I'm not a huge fan of, um, of the overall performance. I'm more of a, more of a database guy. So I, I, I spend most of my time when I can in, uh, in SQL server. And I love how it runs on, on Linux, even though it is an emulated environment. I do think it, uh, it still runs better than, uh, SQL server in, uh, um, like a like a VMware solution or a uh, some other alternative uh, um, um, you know blade server sort of virtual server solution uh, on bare metal and of course you know, SQL Server runs better on bare metal by itself <laughs> anyway um, so that's that's my my day gig that I, I have to do and uh, I don't I don't hate it. Um, it uh it works really well. I do uh I do tend to travel back to Windows occasionally for N1MM in serious contests. Uh I won't say I don't do that just because I'm a fan of N1MM and if I ever have any side time, I plan on rewriting it. <laughs> Probably in cute. <laughs> just cuz it's so simple to rewrite the stupid thing. It's just that I can't believe nobody's ever done it. <laughs> Well, I will say the developers on that, we were one of the contest club I was in. It's a local one. Um, there was like 12 of us. Uh, but the one person, um, uh, oh, shoot, I'm trying to say it, WZ8P. Um, you look him up and look up his, uh, his station. Um, that's where I go to get my, uh, my contest out. November sweepstakes pretty much every year for about – 10 years. That's what I did. And, uh, he has the, the greatest and latest and greatest. And our unwritten motto was if we can hear them, they can hear us. Um, <laughs> but, uh, well, dual single, dual, uh, single band, um, phased, uh, beams point, oh, yeah. you know, 20 and 40. And then honestly, we use the wire more. Um, we had, he had, oh, it, 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 I won't get into it. Anyway, that's how I got my contest out. Um, but, uh, uh, shoot, where are we going on this? We were talking about N1M, MM. Oh, yeah, that's it. Um, you know, it worked. It worked great. All the computers were hooked up. So, yeah. you know, to the radios. Uh, and it has this thing, you, November Sweepstakes is one of the only contests. I, I don't think it's the only but one of the only that you can only have one radio transmitting at any one time. Uh, so uh, we use the lockout feature on that, which really, you know, 
made it interesting, but kept us legal. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we need a feature on it. Something was not messing up, was messing up. And uh, he got a hold of them, the developers on it. And boom, it was fixed. They pushed a revision in like uh, two hours. Yeah. They just, uh, I've contacted them before over the years, multiple times about doing a Linux port of it. And uh, they've always had uh, um, less than no interest in it. <laughs> yeah, it would be great, though. I mean, it, it is a good program. I won't argue that. Yeah, you know, I like it because it, it, I mean, basically because it, it works just like the old CT does. And if you've been contesting back in the DOS days, you know what CT is. And uh, it just feels and plays just like the old DOS program you know, just from the keyboarding thing. So at least out of the box, that's the way it works. And it's, uh, it's such a pleasure to use <laughs> being a, a contester that's, that's been doing it for a little while. Uh, so occasionally I will do that. I will, 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 will venture back into the, the windows days and stuff like that. And as for sweepstakes, all I can say is live in a smaller state, like in Montana, I have a few plaques <laughs> from sweepstakes hey, doing QRP. <laughs> just qrp <laughs> and not that many contacts high power to low power oh yeah yeah if you, if you start messing around i know uh the tampa tampa amateur radio club did this while, <laughs> while i was down there they decided to run qrp out of uh, florida with like uh, th11 dx's <laughs> and uh yeah it's just like massive erp out of their uh <laughs> <laughs> their antenna stack 180 foot up in the air or something like that on top of you know a salt marsh <laughs> something i thought of earlier and you just mentioned that made me think of it again a friend of mine here who is uh w8fhf sunny probably anybody and everybody's talked to him at least once uh he's second highest point in the county and the uh he has a negative horizon all the way around him so an idea <laughs> uh even the highest point in the county is below him so uh just, and how high would that be uh i don't know muskegon county 900 and some odd feet 900 we're, feet god you're not even down not to the high up yeah so, i'll tell you but, my house is at 3200 feet and i still have this big okay, rock face behind look, my house look at where you are okay <laughs> i'm in ohio yeah, yeah but uh he said he decided you know what i'm gonna go qrp this year it's like really <laughs> qrp this year yep uh, what's that antenna, that beam system that adjusts the length of it? Uh, uh, step IR. Oh, yes. He had yeah. one of those. By the oh, way, yeah. it does not handle lightning well. No, they're <laughs> terrible. Anyway, it's, it's the fiberglass. Yeah, it was up for about an, a month, and he got zapped. Anyway. Any um, repeater owner would tell you that. <laughs> uh, he, uh, he's up there, and he's working everything, and we're talking QRP to him is like, you know, uh, double-digit milliwatts. And he's like, he came to a meeting and said, okay, I had to increase the power. I'm like, really? I said, yep. I had to bump it up to five watts. I'm like, seriously? <laughs> that's what you had to do? And it was some de-expedition in, off of Antarctica. You know? yeah. <laughs> I'm like, come on. Yeah, if you can do it with 100 watts, you can do it with five watts. But that's that's how, how di different it is not. <laughs> There's not a lot of difference between the two. That's why I say if you if you're just gonna throw like you know you're gonna throw an amplifier on your system, go ahead and throw 600 watts on there. 1500 watts, it's really not gonna make that much of a difference. 
you know, it's only twice that much. So it's your 3 dB. So you're one third of an S unit between a 600 watt amp and a 1500 watt, you know, whatever, 1200 watt amp. <laughs> so uh, basically it's the antenna. I mean, do the math, spend all your money in the antenna, throw away everything else that has power on it because you don't need it all. That's where I, uh, you know, I, I run a kilowatt most of the time if I'm on, especially on 80 and, and such. But uh, one of the things that I've, I've always told people is really I, I want the 400 watts. I want that uh, I want that full S unit. And uh, the other 600 watts really is just to make up all the losses in my coax. Yeah, that that, that can be it, too. And a lot of people, like, they get a warmer signal sound from an amplifier that they think is, like, very special. But it's just because they're either running a less than desirable uh, audio setup or a less than desirable compression setup on their rig. <laughs> That's not making up for the fact that, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of a weak signal going in there. So they get it all out of uh, plugging it into an amplifier and being a slightly overmodulated. It's like, oh, I'm really big and loud now. I got to, I got my you know, 2,500 watts, you know, tuned back to 1,500 to be legal. <laughs> okay. Well, that's how they heat their shack, too. I mean, yeah, you got yeah, exactly. to think of comfort in this. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. A couple of years ago, I was at the uh, uh, local shooting range. They were doing the annual youth shoot. Um, oh, they're shooting youths? No, oh, that's yep. terrible. Uh, <laughs> oh, I need to call you. Call use, your district on that one. <laughs> anybody under eighteen, they're able to go out and shoot for free. Uh, they have the guns there, the ammo, all that stuff. And they're like, "Hey, why don't you come out and do amateur radio?" I was like, "Okay." So it was the first time I ever did it with muscle on by the shooting by the shotgun range. But my antenna was a wire at the sloper V. We'll call it sloper inverted V. So the point and fee point was about 15 feet off the ground. Uh, the antenna went at a uh, like a 45 degree angle from each element. And by the time it came to the ground, uh, the wire was probably about a foot off the ground. Um, I talked to Spain on the gray line. Um, 100 watts in a, in a, from a ICOM, what, 706? Uh, talk to Spain on the gray line. Uh, should never, ever, ever have happened, but it did. Propagation is a funny thing. So, so did you get your drink? I did get my drink. Good, because I'm going to go get mine. Okay. <clears throat> well, good. And, let's uh, let's talk about food. Cheryl hey said guys, that... I'm going to jump out of here. I'm sorry. I'm going to jump uh, out of here. Oh, yeah. No hey, problem. For my time, so... Uh, cool. Well, thanks, Matt, for coming by and, and talking with us. Good to talk to you again. Yeah, 73. All right, take care. 73. Uh, I think we've got a small topic to cover before we get into food. All right, let's right, on your field day. Oh, <laughs> okay. Is there anything to actually talk about? Well, you're going to be on uh, on the air. We're probably going to stream it live too. Well, that's the hope. So I I, I don't see my big antenna array that I was promised. It's uh, still on the spool of wire in the in the garage. Oh, I see. Is that so my it's, garage? It's mostly there. <laughs> All right. Actually, All right. it's going to be a trailer with a beam on it. Maybe two. Fantastic. I'm looking forward to it. I'll have my old trusty inverted L. That's uh, that's what I try to run with about any any time of field day. So uh, that'll be good to go. I think it'll be good. Oh, uh, we're gonna have a good time no matter what. I mean, I I don't live life without having a good time. 
but winter field day sounds like a lot of fun to me especially with what you guys are trying to cook up do you have any uh i know i talked to steve a little bit but uh how's, how's interest i uh actually i'm getting ready to start pumping it out on uh, i guess maybe a renewed effort uh, but I did make some personal contacts at the Nick's uh, Ham Fest, which was very promising. And uh, I actually uh, talked to Zach out there in Mount Vernon as well, so he's interested. We've got Benton County that's interested. They're going to, uh, I think their little coordinator gal is going to come down and operate. Uh, it's going to be good. It'll probably be better if we keep doing it uh, because, like, this is the first time and everybody's going to kind of go, oh, I don't know. I don't know how it's going to play out, but we'll see. I think it'll be a lot of fun, and um, it's going to be fun to get you and Cheryl as a team on uh, on the radio again. Yep, definitely going to have to get Cheryl to work some stations. You know, I think it's safe to say that interest is, is higher than it ever has been. <laughs> well, when you're starting from zero, yeah, I guess you're right. Well, there's only you can only go up. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but anyway, I, I personally am looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So uh, regardless of what, what actually happens or who shows up, um, it'll be enjoyable. But hopefully we can generate enough to to get people to come out and really want to operate and really want to participate. And we'll have a really good winter field day. And with that, we're going to hit on Hutch. Hutch. <laughs> hey. um, Cheryl's decided that because it's the end of the year, she doesn't want to do a recipe. Can we? Can we? I did not say that. Yes, you did. <laughs> I didn't say let's throw Hutch under the bus. Make, make no, Hutch I did, come up. With I the never recipe. said you said throw Hutch under oh, the bus. Okay. I'm, I'm doing that all on my own. Gotcha. I'm just, <laughs> I just want to know if Hutch has something he could like cough up off the top of his head real quick uh, that we could all go try sometime. Oh, gee, it's putting me on a spot here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we, we can give you a couple of minutes to think about it. What, what type of food do you want? You want seafood? You want the standard? You want uh, Christmas? What do you want? Uh, it doesn't make any difference to us. We all have to eat. Okay, we, well, here's... And we love what you throw at us. Yeah, so. exactly. Okay, well, here's a real simple one. Just get some uh, shrimp, raw shrimp, and uh, they're really easy to peel. Get some nice big ones. Saute them in some butter and put them over some uh, angel hair pasta, and there you go. Real simple. Really, really tasty. What, no tarragon? Uh, I don't know. Just whatever you like. If you want to, uh, <laughs> if you want to do uh, the Italian spices, then it would be uh, marjoram would be your best bet with that marjoram, uh, which is like a, a cousin of oregano. Uh, but you can use basil, oregano, marjoram, any of those. Be really, really good. And throw some uh, red pepper flakes in that too, if you like it spicy. All right, that works. I mean, I me mean, super simple. That's yeah. really like you can do that in like two minutes and. Uh, you got your pasta done, and uh, there you go. You're done. Is it your mother? It's, yeah. Where's your phone? I don't even know. All right. Well, let me go stop. Well, now I'm hungry. Hopefully, hopefully after four declines, she'll figure it out. Um, <clears throat> what, what were you saying, Jordan? I said, well, now I'm hungry. I'm going to have to make something after this. <laughs> well, <laughs> apparently you can just do a little uh, shrimp thing with angel hair, and uh, it, it's really easy. You probably don't have a bunch of uh, jumbo shrimp in your house, though. I know you, know, actually, you can actually, go to Walmart I, I have and get both. those. Yeah. I have both. I have angel hair and I have a, a bag of frozen shrimp. It's not, so there not well, there you go. You're all set. Yeah, yeah just, just to frost the shrimp. In fact, you, uh, you can put those shrimp in uh, cool water 
and they'll be defrosted in like 10 minutes. You'll be good to go. Uh, you oh. just peel them and uh, throw them in. And if you've got some fresh peeled garlic, just chop up some garlic and throw in there, too. It's really, really good. Well, you can't go wrong with garlic as far as I'm concerned. Well, no. no. I'm, I'm up for like garlic ice cream at this point. It's just whatever. Yeah, well, this morning, since I've been sick for like a month now, thanks to you, I was thinking about, you, you know. thanking me for it? It didn't start with me. <laughs> yeah, well, it apparently started you know, with somebody. Sure I wasn't the origin of all colds. Yeah, well, I was I was going to send you to uh, pick up some needed necessities for Hutch's garlic soup to see if I could cure myself. Uh, but I forgot. I, well, I knew you were at Walmart, and I forgot. So. Oh, there you go. That that'll cure any uh, any cold or flu that you have. Oh well, yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, that's really good stuff. And Cheryl, you did that one as a recipe. I don't remember what episode it was in. So it, it's been several yeah. several. Just search the ago, website but, for it. The garlic soup is. Amazing. Oh yeah, the garlic soup is absolutely amazing. So, and any time if anybody's ever in the Indianapolis area, go to Zydeco Five, which is Hutch's restaurant. It's been on diners, drive-ins, and dives along with all kinds of other stuff so well thank you for the plug i really wasn't looking for a plug but thank you did you uh, did you put cream in uh in your garlic soup yes i did yeah that really helped it oh yeah really good oh yeah so yeah that's that stuff is killer <laughs> yeah i made uh, enough to freeze it and we were like defrosting it for weeks i was like Ah, garlic soup for breakfast. That sounds good. So there you go. Yep. Pour, pour it over your eggs. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> well, I will tell you. I will tell you this: if you make the garlic soup and you have some left over, it is very, very good over pasta. And I'm not kidding; it's very good on pasta. Oh, I can see that. You have yeah. a little garlic bread with the garlic soup on top of pasta. Oh. Mm-hmm. Maybe a little bit of garlic overload, but I'm all about that actually. Hey, you won't have any vampires. Yeah, we, we, we don't have a vampire problem around here. So That is true. I've never had to deal with a vampire. So. All right, so let's find out what everybody's drinking tonight before we get down to, to me. This is one, this um, bottle of scotch that I have is one that I'm not going to review because as far as I know, it's impossible to find anymore because uh, it was like a discontinued thing. So um, so I'll, I'll do it here tonight because um, we've, you know played with it uh what a week ago well last wednesday so um but anybody got any any interesting beverages bill what are you drinking i am drinking um the uh captain morgan spiced 100 rum oh yeah i love the captain 100 that's good stuff and with with some diet pepsi <laughs> yeah that's one of my favorite cocktails right there yeah yeah about half and half that's it's good <laughs> oh yeah you're you're drinking you're talking my language right there <laughs> You've been a bad influence on Bill. What? I'm pretty sure I wasn't the one who instigated oh, no. that. No, I'm a big fan of that. Uh, that rum is one of my <laughs> rum is one of my favorites. All right, good deal. What about you, Hutch? Are you drinking anything in your closet? Uh, not right now. I have a Monster uh, Energy drink right here right now. But uh, <laughs> no. uh, uh, if you're, uh, I, I live on the, I live on these things. Uh. Uh, but uh, how about a wine choice? A nice Cabernet, nice red wine, mm. uh, Douglas Hill. Is a really nice wine, and it's great to cook with. It's great to drink. So I would recommend a Douglas Hill Cab. All right, Bill. So go get yourself a bottle of Douglas Hill Cab, yeah. and you can review it on the next episode. <laughs> well, there's like there's like a good piece of advice for anybody. If you won't drink the wine, don't cook with it. Throw it away. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I would never ever uh, cook with anything I wouldn't have a glass of. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's interesting because we cook with stuff we would never drink. <laughs> well, there's a mistake. 
Well, maybe so. Yeah. Well, yeah, but when you need five gallons of wine for to do sukiyaki, kind of. <laughs> pretty sure you don't need five gallons, but even yeah. four even bottles. When, well, you four get the box. Yeah. Get a box. Get a box. Yeah, get the yeah, 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 yeah. box. Those aren't too bad. <laughs> Some of the box they're, wines aren't terrible. No, no, they're they're okay in a pinch. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. You're just looking to get drunk. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so Rodney, what do you got? <laughs> well, I am not one of the connoisseurs of, uh, drinks as you guys have, uh, <laughs> you know, kind of done there, but I mean, I'll, I'll have a drink here and there. Um, I think, uh, we had a game night not too long. Well, it was like Saturday and, uh, Johnny was, uh, fixing some, uh, some pina colada and she threw a little bit of vodka in there and, that was a that was an interesting drink. So I mean, I'll do it occasionally, but I, I'm just not not an avid dr- uh, drinker like that. Well, that's okay. You could have said that you like Mountain Dew or something. <laughs> Which, I like Mountain Dew. <laughs> <laughs> I like Mountain Dew. Pina coladas with vodka. That's interesting. That's that's typically a rum drink. So yeah, it's the only thing we had in the house at the time. Oh, I see. <laughs> not everybody can say they had pina coladas at the house. <laughs> It's like, do you have a coconut mix? (laughs) Pina coladas are a waste of time as far as I'm saying. I'll have somebody else make me a pina colada, but I'm not making one for me. Yeah, I'm about to say, I I normally would never have one unless I'm in Key West. Yeah. yeah, Yeah. yeah, If you got somebody who knows knows how to make a pina colada, I'm all about paying somebody to make one for me, but I'm not going to make my own. (laughs) Yeah. Well, if it's not a vodka, it's a comrade colada. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Uh, What about you, Steve? You uh, you drink anything at all other than water? <laughs> uh, I'm the Mountain Dew guy. <laughs> That's been uh, been the thing. Uh, uh, I even did a, a presentation where I used the bottle caps to make antenna insulators. So. <laughs> Uh, that's that's my uh, go-to of choice. However, occasionally I do have a beer, and uh, I kind of am a fan of a Billhaven Ale that comes out of uh, Scotland, uh, and it's a rare treat because the bottles are about four bucks a piece. So uh, uh, even bottled, it's pretty fabulous. And and where does one pick up one of those if they wanted one? Uh, International Wine Center has them at uh, the big one there on South Glenstone. So uh, uh, that's one I know locally. I don't know about where the other guys are at, but uh, uh, Bellhaven is uh, is the name. Ah, fantastic. Looks like Total Wine will have that too. Cool. So Bellhaven, keep that in mind. All right, and we know Jordan uh, has at least had a pina colada. Well, you know, uh, I, I've gone back to my old, uh, old-time vintage goodie. It's, uh, it's black. It's a black tea, uh, sweetened, aged about six hours on the counter. It, uh, it's fantastic. <laughs> Always good to have. But you know, with alcohol, I, 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 I'm both sides of the spectrums. I'm either a sissy and I'll sit there and drink five or six Smirnoff ices, or I'll go hardcore and just drink vodka. There's no nothing in the middle. I, I don't, uh, I don't <laughs> sip anything. It's, uh, it, it's either a fun night or it's a uh, uh, strap him down and, and get him to bed night. <laughs> it's, it's interesting you should say that because I consider Smirnoff Ice and vodka sort of on the same side of the spectrum, not, not opposite sides. But. Well, yeah, but except that Smirnoff Ice has like you know a five percent versus you know 
<laughs> versus 40. Yes, yeah. I know. Very typical rock. <laughs> stuff, so. Yeah, a uh, bottle of each will do very different things to you. The, the, yeah. the, fair enough. Yeah. Well, it depends <laughs> on how many of the Smirnoff Ices you have, I guess. Um, so what about you, Steve? Uh, uh, not Steve. Uh, Steve N. Tag. Um, tag and head out. Oh, he headed out? He's gone? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he, so he just muted himself and left himself in the mumble. Okay. Well, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> he, he said in the Discord, no, no need to say anything. <laughs> Oh, well, guess what? We said something. We did say something. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So anyway, um, what I have is, uh, what it's a 2007, dis- uh, let's see, what is this bottled? It was distilled in 2007, bottled in 2016. It's a nine year old Bunahaben, um, single malt scotch in cask strength and it's bottled at 57 percent so a little bit on the stouter side if you're into that kind of thing but this has definitely got to be one of the best scotches i've had in quite a while i've been kind of on a whiskey and bourbon kick uh like american whiskey and bourbon kick and um this is one of the ones that uh, i actually bought this one for myself cheryl has bought me a few other ones uh, but this one, this was the one I cracked open first or, or selected first. And, uh, it's absolutely fantastic. It has a nice sweetness of like a space side or a Highland combined with some of the, the peatiness of an Isla scotch, um, and blend those two together at 57% alcohol. And it is marvelous. But the thing of it is, um, I got this sort of as a one-off cause I think, uh, Gordon McPhail, which is the uh, producer of this, who was getting it from the Bunahaben Distillery, um, was selling it for a while and then discontinued it. So this is like a out of production bottle. So you probably can't get a hold of this, but if you can uh, and you're into Scotch at all, you should definitely look at this. It's the uh, 2007 nine-year-old Bunahaben uh, cask strength, and uh, by Gordon and McPhail. And I am enjoying the heck out of it. So, as I go to drink a little bit more, <laughs> <laughs> you gotta do a. You gotta start reviewing some of the cheaper bourbons. Well, this um, this Munahaben was not actually that expensive. I think this one. I'm trying to remember what I spent on the the various bottles that I got. I think this was actually the cheapest one. Seventy five. Yeah, this one was seventy four ninety nine. So. That's still not cheap. Um, it, no, it's not cheap, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna review like you know Jack Daniels. I mean, <laughs> uh, no, I just is- saw I, I got like some stupid article the other day that uh, was like uh, like uh, best uh, bourbons like under twenty five bucks or something like that. Yeah, it's usually best bourbon under thirty. That's a pretty typical theme across YouTube and the internet. Uh, starter bourbons under thirty bucks, stuff like that. But it that. was uh, one of those. Uh, what was the um um what's the fancy name? Fancy name. Um <laughs> fancy name bonded. Bonded was like Oh, the, bottled and bond? Yeah, bottled and bond was the uh was the type and I can't remember what brand it was. Uh probably Henry McKenna. Uh, maybe. Um Henry McKenna bottled and bond is a really 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 fantastic bourbon. It costs about 40 bucks a bottle, but it's impossible to find. Uh, that's not that one. It seemed more, it was definitely a B and B, uh, you know, a BIV or whatever. Right. 
I was trying to find the article because it included like, you know, Wild Turkey 101 and blah, blah, blah. Right. A few well, other ones that were bottled there. in bond means that it's produced and distilled in a single distillery and it's put out at 100 proof. Um, that's what bottled in bond means. And there are several bottled in bond bourbons and stuff that are available. I think even like Jack Daniels and like Evan Williams and a bunch of other uh widely known american distilleries are point, putting out bottled and bond versions um and they're all pretty pretty inexpensive so i i sent you this article the the top 20 of 2019 number one was dickel bottled dickel bottled and bond mm-hmm. if you're bottling and bonding your dickel uh you gotta be careful <laughs> with that yeah, number yeah. two was doers number three was four roses four heaven hell five what is it in Chinese? What? No, I'm trying to. It's kind of blurry. <laughs> it's, in, it's in Korean. <laughs> Abanada? Oh, Abanad? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Alba. Um, That's an Ardbeg, I think. Ardbeg Abanad. Yeah. Number six was Woodford Reserve. Seven was Old Ezra, number seven. Yeah, that, that one's hard to find, too. I have no clue what that one is. Spell it? No, I can't. I can't read it. Is it in Korean? No. <laughs> you might recognize the bottle oh that's uh that looks like a compass box but yeah. that's not that's not a compass box though i don't know what that is yeah i can't read it uh number nine was glenn morangi 14 glenn morangi 14 we had that the other night i was not impressed yeah. but i'm not really impressed with most of the glenn morangis number 10 is writer's tears writer's tears that's an irish yep 11 is bardstown I have old Bardstown. That's from no, old- this is just Bardstown. Oh, okay. Uh, 12 is uh, Lafroig Carides. Oh, yeah, Carides. Uh, 13 is a Talisker Game of Thrones. Oh, the Game of Thrones Talisker? Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Okay. Number 14 is Kaya, which is Japanese, Chinese, something. Something, yeah. Yeah. Uh, 15 is Bruglodic uh, Bear Barley. 2010. 16 is Bakers. 17 is New Riff. 18 is Powers. Uh, 19 is Matsui. And 20 is Adnan's Rye. Okay. Uh, well, everybody's going to have a different list. Right. <laughs> so, some of that stuff is kind of expensive. That wasn't like a budget list. No. No, because Car- Caridius is like 100 bucks a bottle. So, yeah. Lefroig is like 650 60 yeah. Even Jim Beam has a bonded one, huh? Yeah, a lot. A lot of uh, the distilleries, especially American distilleries, are doing bottled and bonded versions now because they can put them out at a higher proof. They can say they're bonded and blah blah blah. Remember the Tom's Foolery we got when we were? Yes. Yeah. yeah, that was a bonded bourbon. Does do they all taste weird like that though? No. Oh, no, that one was just weird. <laughs> no, no, no. The bonding has nothing to do with flavor. Okay, I, I wasn't sure. Like, I, I was, I was the first time I ever tasted one kind of like that. I was like, that's just peculiar. <laughs> it, it was peculiar and still is. I've had it a few times since. So, yeah, it didn't get any like less weird. <laughs> In other words, it didn't get any better. So. Well, it's, it's. I don't know. I I couldn't really explain. I didn't dislike it. I just didn't know what to think of it. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of right there with you. I reviewed it on the show. I don't remember what episode it was, but oh, I have to go back and look at it. Yeah, yeah. the only I mean, the only bourbon I have in the house right now is uh, Jim Beam Devil's Cut. So 
Because I'm just making meals with it anyway. Yeah. Devil's <laughs> cuts are reasonably not crappy bourbon. So yeah, for making meals, it's perfect. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we have like beaten the hell out of 2019. Yeah. Uh, so, so we should probably go ahead and try and close this thing out. And I'll just uh, run down the list and see if anybody has anything else they want to add on any topic at all. Uh, before we mention all the folks who were here and uh, say adieu for 2019 and, and see you all again in the new decade. But anyway, uh, Hutch, thanks for being here. Good to have you. Uh, thanks for the recipe and all that. And uh, any like parting words? Well, thank you. Thank everyone uh, over there. Thanks uh, for everything. And uh, it's been great. Everyone have a safe holiday season, and I'll see you next year. All right, you do the same, and thank you for uh, supporting Linux in the Ham Shack in the way that you do. Uh, it's always nice to be able to blow through Indiana and get some good Cajun food. So, yes, definitely. <laughs> thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah, and he'll see us in May if he doesn't yeah. see us before that. Damn so. right he will. All right, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we won't we'll be going to Hamvention. <laughs> yeah, we're just going to to the yeah, 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 we're, we're just going to the restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the hell with Hamvention. <laughs> All right. Uh, next up on the list, we have Rodney K0FZ. Anything else you want to add for the show? Thanks for being here. Uh, no, nothing necessarily. I just want to thank you for giving us the opportunity to talk with you. Um, of course, hearing all the neat things that you can do with Linux uh, has definitely piqued interest. So I'd say probably in 2020, there may be a, a little bit more uh, experimentation as far as with Linux and, and learning a little bit more about it. Um, I guess as far as a, a shameless plug for our, our club, um, with anybody that's listening that would like to uh, see what we're doing at our club, um, you can also visit us at our website at smarc.org um, and contact us, ask us questions. This is what kind of fuels the fire and what, what makes us do what we do in the first place. So, again, thanks again for having us, and uh, we uh, hope to be a visit or have a uh, – visit with you guys again soon oh yeah we'll try and get there unfortunately the next couple of months we're kind of covered up on the, on the saturdays that you guys are having meetings uh, but we'll definitely get together with you on winter field day if not before so thanks again for being here and uh check out smarc.org um, trying to do a lot of good work in the amateur radio community uh and along that same vein um the folks who are still left with us are all part of smark so <laughs> Uh, we'll move on to Steve, KA0SPM. Anything you want to wrap up with, Steve? Well, uh, you guys, uh, it, it was a great time tonight. I, I wasn't sure what to expect, having never done a roundtable podcast before. So it was very pleasant. I appreciate it a lot that you guys invited me to be along it's it's uh it's cool hope we get to do it again and maybe a, a an additional topic besides the booze would be food and that would be one of my favorite ones <laughs> and so we we could certainly add that in i hope but uh yeah uh, russ and cheryl thanks for having us and uh, it's been a lot of fun hopefully i get to see you see it quite soon and we'll get an antenna fix that's my plan i just got to get help <laughs> so all right guys uh, uh 73 and uh, have a great rest of your evening all right all right you. thanks steve uh hopefully we'll get together soon and uh, have a good holiday we don't see you in the next little bit and uh moving on from steve we have jordan and zero rk 
Well, you know, along the same lines, uh, just appreciate you having us on here. It was a good time. As always, hopefully we'll be able to stop back by a time or two and do it again. I'll, I'll make sure to get a bottle of something, uh, something a little harder than the uh, sweet tea here. I guess I can add more <laughs> sugar to it, but um, I, I think something a little harder is the way to go. So, yeah, and, you know, a little bit of a shameless plug, too. We do a, a 10-meter net every Friday night. It's kind of an interesting thing, as you all know, with 10 meters is sometimes it can be completely open and sometimes most of the time it's shut. But uh, uh, we get a lot of people in from uh, from the continental U.S. We'll have uh, people from North Carolina, Texas. I think we've had California once or twice. So if you're ever uh, bored on a Friday night, 7 p.m. Central, we get on uh, 10 meters, 28.410 upper sideband. Uh, like I said, we have out-of-state check-ins quite often, not every week. Uh, some weeks we can't even hear ourselves, but uh, we do get in there. So if you find yourself bored, get in there. 28.410 upper side band and uh we'll see if you can hear us yeah i've tried and i i know between me and you i'm ground wave and uh my, my antenna is just not really set up to to contact you know 30 miles on ground wave so um i i heard little bits and pieces on the fringes of the last 10 meter net but i there's no way i can get in touch with you guys at least with my current setup so hopefully i'll uh, make some changes here and see if i can't get in there it would be fun i, I don't do a whole lot of 10 meter work uh, every once in a while fta 10 meters when it's open but uh yeah otherwise pretty much stay away from it but a 10 meter hotspot that's what we need that's the next yeah, big, yeah. Big adventure. <laughs> patent pending all right and tag had to go along with a few other folks so let's mention everybody who was here tonight we had gene bx8 aad hutch k9kjn steve k0 spm don kc9 zmy uh kx0 adm tag n0 ttl paul k5 wma tom n4 hai ted wa0 eir and don kb2 ysi Thanks to everybody who was part of Linux in the Ham Shack in whatever way you were a part of it in 2019. We're looking forward to doing this all again uh, and more and bringing you some great content in 2020. And don't forget, Ham mentioned 2020 is only five months away. So we all need to be preparing for that. So with that, we hope everybody has uh, a great holiday season. Thanks again for our participating tonight. Hope everyone uh, enjoyed our little roundup of 2019, and we'll see you all in a few weeks in the new year. Thanks again, 7-3. I'm Russ, K5TUX. I'm Cheryl, W5MOO. And I'm Bill, NE4RD, 73. For listening to this episode of Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a community sponsored podcast. The live show is recorded every Monday night at 8 pm Central Time, plus or minus QRL. Connect to the live stream at urlbctsinfo LHS Live. Our website is located at lhspodcast.info. You can support the podcast by visiting the LHS Patreon page at patreon.com stroke LHS podcast or by using the contribute link on the homepage. Get in touch via social media. We have a presence on Discord, Facebook, IRC, Twitter and YouTube. Our IRC channel is hash LHS podcast on the Freenode network and the Discord invite link is url.bcts.info stroke discord. 
You can also drop us an email at info at lhspodcast.info or leave us a voicemail at 1-909-LHS-SHOW. That's 1-909-547-7469. Visit the online LHS merchandise store at shop.lhspodcast.info for fun and fashionable show-themed merchandise. Become an ambassador and represent LHS at a local Linux convention or handfest. Email ambassadors at lhspodcast.info for more information or visit the homepage for details. Until next time, remember to always heed your hedonism. Shack and the Linux in the Hamshack logo are released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 International License.